which would be the best reunion for the New York Mets to make in free agency? We'll discuss that on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we're going to go through all the different former Mets that are now in free agency and which one would be the best for them to reunite with. In the first segment, I'll talk about players who could be in the starting lineup for the Mets next season that used to play for the team. Then the second segment, we'll go through starting pitchers, and we'll close the show with bench and bullpen options. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when winning any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Reunions. I thought it'd be fun as I was actually writing an article for Just Baseball over the weekend or updating kind of a master article we have on the site right now where we're recapping every single option decision. So when you see... Justin Turner becomes a free agent, declines his player options. Seth Lugo, Michael Walker become free agents. The more and more I was seeing these names, I was like, you know, there's a lot of foreign Mets that are hitting the market. I thought it'd be fun to just kind of go through the list of names and see which players would plug best into the 2024 Mets. And I just alluded to one of them, Justin Turner. That's where I really want to start today because I think if you look at all the free agent bats, that used to play for the Mets, none is better than Justin Turner. Now, he will turn 39 years old this month, okay? But you look at what he's done in the 10 years since the Mets non-tendered him. <laughs> the guy has hit 293. 293. Nearly a 300 hitter since leaving the Mets. He's gotten on base at a 371 clip, a 486 slugging percentage, that is an OPS on quick math here in my head. Well over uh, 850. I think it's 857. I guess not well over, but still. 857 OPS, which is ridiculously high. He is 17th in F4 over the last decade. F4 is Fangrass wins above replacement, so it just measures how valuable players have been. So over the past decade, he has been a top 20 player in Major League Baseball since the Mets said, eh, we don't want your services. Now, they couldn't have known what he would become with the Dodgers, but it is still crazy. And I think the best way to encapsulate how good he has been since he left, it's looking at weighted runs created plus. So this is a statistic that measures hitters based on a league average of 100. So if a player is uh, a 102 WRC plus guy, they're 2% better than a league average hitter. Over the past decade, Justin Turner's WRC plus has been 134. So he's been 34% better than your league average hitter. For Pete Alonso's career, his WRC plus is 133. 
So <laughs> Turner's offensive impact since he's left has been akin to Pete Alonzo. Ridiculous. Now, this past season, he wasn't that exceptional. He was very good. His WRC plus is probably weighed down a little bit based on the fact that he was playing in a very hitter-friendly ballpark in Boston, hitter-friendly um, you know, division in the AL East. So that is park-adjusted WRC+. plus. So his WRC+, plus this past season, was 114. But you look at his overall stats, he still hit 276, still got on base at a 345 clip, still slugged at a 455 clip. So, again, doing some math in my head here, I think that makes his OPS right at exactly 800. Uh, so that's a very solid number. He had 23 home runs. He had 31 doubles. He played in 146 games. He was healthy despite his age. And he drove in 96 runs. He's still a really good run producer. He's still a really good hitter. I imagine wherever he signs, he's going to continue to hit for at least another year or two. And just a solid player. And you can imagine the fit, right? Because while he didn't play much third base this past season, that was because he was on the Red Sox and they have Rafael Devers. So it only started seven games there. Played mostly first base when he was in the field, but he was actually just their DH, right? That was his position. For the Mets, he could be their DH. And in this market, he's right there with guys like J.D. Martinez as the top uh, potential bats that can DH for you. Obviously, Shohei Otani, different conversation. But if you're looking at these guys, you can get on a one-year deal, which is what the Mets should probably be looking for. They're trying to sign a DH in free agency. He's a really nice fit. And... He would complement this roster well because he could still play third base in the pinch, right? So you'd have that wide open runway for a Brett Beatty or a Ronnie Mauricio to grab that third base job, and maybe they'd have it at the start of the season. But if they were struggling and the Mets were in the race, you could always slide Turner back to third. You could also platoon with Brett Beatty if he is your guy and you want to shield him from left handed pitching. You know, you could DH him on days where Beatty is going to play third. And then when you have a lefty on the mound, you could start Turner at a third and Mark Vientos could be your DH hypothetically. So the fit actually makes a ton of sense. I think he's the the best bat that we're going to talk about on the show today. And with all that said, I already have claimed the real estate. I've mentioned Turner in, in recent podcasts. That's potential free agent that's out there. If he comes back to the Mets, he's going to suck. And his run of being this amazing hitter is going to end. And the Cinderella story, it's its going to, the, the clock's going to strike midnight on whatever's happened to Justin Turner. And uh, he's going to become the uh, redheaded stepchild again, so to speak. I guess that's combining two two movies, references there. Um, but, yeah, I it, it's just, it's an interesting thought. Um, I could actually see it happening. I could see the Mets being the team that gives him, you know, a pretty nice salary. Uh, and, and also, I can't remember the, this is off the top of my head again. I'm pretty sure it was $13.4 million was his uh, his player option that he just declined. But he got like half of that in a buyout. I think he got like $6.7 um, in a buyout. So he, he gets to collect that, and now he's going to get at least $15 million in free agency probably on a one-year deal. Um, or at least close to what he just was making, you know, when he's 14. So, uh, you know, he's going to end up making over 20 when you combine the buyout with what he's going to enjoy in free agency. And the Mets could be that team that says, hey, we're going to give you a one-year $16 million deal. Who cares? And then I think he'd be horrible. Now, going over the other two guys that I would qualify as starting level players that were formerly Mets that are free agents again, you have Michael Conforto and Tommy Pham. Uh, Conforto, 
I've addressed this also in previous podcasts. So I don't want to waste too much time on it. I think DJ Stewart for the money is going to be way more valuable. You can have DJ Stewart on your roster for one and a half million, and Conforto he might still make fifteen. I, honestly, he still hasn't made his decision on the player option, and it doesn't make sense for me uh, to me uh, for Conforto to not pick up that option for eighteen million dollars. But there was a report about a month left in the season, like early September, that Conforto was expected to become a free agent. Why? I don't really know. His numbers weren't great on the season. It was pretty much in line with what he did his last year with the Mets. He was a two thirty nine hitter, three thirty four on base, three eighty four slug, which was identical to his last year with the Mets. He had 15 home runs in 125 games. Maybe they think that he can test this market in a weak class and get a similar contract, a two-year deal with an opt-out, and maybe the total money is going to be more than $18 million, and he would rather play that contract year, so to speak, in a different uniform. He did not hit well in San Francisco in that ballpark in particular. So maybe, hey, you sign on with the Reds, which is what I had previously discussed uh, a year ago um, when he had free agency as a perfect destination for him to go somewhere and you know put up big numbers. Maybe he ends up in a Yankees uniform. I don't know. I could see that fit, his left-handed swing, maybe working out in, in that ballpark. But I don't see the fit coming back to the Mets, although I do consider him still kind of a fringe starter-level player. Now, Tommy Pham is right there as well, um, coming off a better season. But you know, the track record over the last you know three or four years, if you look back, it was a really good season for Pham. But you don't know if he's going to put that up again. He was amazing with the Mets. A 125 WRC plus. He was 25% better than a league average hitter. With the Diamondbacks, he had a 92 WRC plus. And then in the playoffs, he was a mixed bag. I mean, he hit 279, but he didn't get on base that much outside of just hitting for, for a good average. Um, he hit three home runs in 16 games. That was a positive. He was about you know average as far as a playoff performer, but still had his moments. Uh, albeit kind of a streaky hitter. Average defender in left field, performed well with the Mets, has said some things since he left, although he also kind of couched all of them recently by saying, hey, I'm a free agent, so I'm not going to talk too bad about my experience there. I don't know if Pham comes back. He, in some respects, would be a nice fit. I don't know if I see it, though. So of those three players, I think Justin Turner is the best fit. But uh, I don't know if any of them would succeed with the Mets next season. I, I think that you're probably better off aiming a little bit higher um, on the market if you are going to add a starting level player, or you're better off just trusting the the young talent you have and hoping that uh, all those needs can be filled internally. Anyway, there's a lot of interesting reunion candidates when it comes to starting pitchers. So we'll get to those next first, though. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. You have the football season, which is in full swing. Now the NBA season as well. So you got basketball, you got football, both professional and college. This app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options between the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. You can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and 
get that promo. Again, 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So you can pick on the NFL slate, find the best possible game where you know a team is going to win, put that $5 bet down, and you can get $150 in bonus bets to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Before we discuss starting pitchers, if you want to become a Locked On Mets insider where you can have one-on-one communication with me via text, find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. There you're going to get text updates from me anytime something happens that's noteworthy. I'll shoot you a text, give you my two cents on your latest Mets news, and also discuss things that are coming up on the show or discuss the, the day's episode. If you have any comments after you listen, you can shoot me a text through subtext. So again, you can find a link in the episode description to become a Locked On Mets insider or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. Let's look at starting pitchers. Now, there's two names that I think on minor league deals make sense for the Mets that, of course, used to pitch in their uniform. The first one is Rich Hill. 22 starts with the Pirates this year, had 119 innings pitched, and was sitting at a 4.76 ERA at the trade deadline and was moved with G-Man Choi to the Padres for a pair of prospects. Whether the prospects turn into anything, who knows, but the Pirates got good value on that contract, and he probably still gets a major league deal. For that, the Mets really don't need to bring Rich Hill back, but still a name to just monitor. Uh, a guy that could eat innings on a team, uh, but I would hope the Mets are going to shoot a little bit higher trying to fill their rotation. And I think they have depth arms that are close enough to Rich Hill. I don't know if I'd prefer Rich Hill to Joey Lucchese, for example. I think you know, Lucchese still a better fit. Uh, he also pitched an ERA over eight once he got to the San Diego Padres in what was sort of a playoff race. Uh, so probably not a fit, but a name worth mentioning. Justin Dunn is the other one that I'd say minor league deal. And really, that's the one that intrigues me a little bit. He was hurt in 2023, has really struggled to establish himself in his big league career, only 28 years old. You might remember he was a first-round pick by the Mets in 2016. Last seen with the Reds in 2022, where he had an ERA over six in seven starts. But a guy that would be an interesting reclamation project if he would you know, be in the market to come on a minor league deal because I don't think he's going to get a major league deal as a free agent. And he sees the Mets as a possible landing spot. Go pitch in Syracuse, see what happens. I do like the idea of Justin Dunn coming on back. Now let's get to the more prominent names here. Names that would factor directly into the Mets starting rotation. The first one to just vaguely mention is Marcus Stroman. He is a free agent again, uh, opting out of his contract with the Cubs. But I think that bridge is burned probably on both sides. I imagine he signs with somebody else. Look out for Marcus Stroman to become a Philadelphia Philly. I made that proclamation on the Phillies are eliminated episode a couple weeks back here, and I think that's what's going to happen. I really feel good about that one. I feel like Marcus Stroman replaces Aaron Nola in that rotation, and that is a step back for the Phillies. Here's where we get to some interesting names. Seth Lugo and Michael Waka. Both of them pitched with the Padres this past year. Both of them had options in their contract. Michael Walker's a little more complicated. It was a two-year, 
$32 million club option, and then a $6.5 million player option, which he still has to make a decision on. But the Padres decided no on that two-year club option. But he was really good with, with the Padres this year. He's 32 years old, will turn 33 in July. Not that records matter, but he went 11-2 and with the Red Sox in 2022 and 14-4 at the Padres this past year. So he's a guy that has been winning games the last two seasons and has been pitching really well at a 3-3-2 ERA and 23 starts and 127 in a third innings pitch with the Red Sox. Then this past season with the Padres, a 3-2-2 ERA over 134 and a third innings pitch. Walks more batters than Lugo, but not bad, 2.9 walks per nine. Strikes out slightly less batters this past season, but also gave up a full hit less when it comes to hits per nine. His FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, removes defense from the equation, was at 3.83. Lugo's was, actually, excuse me, Lugo's was 3.83. Watka's was 3.89. But that just shows that these two guys, very similar pitchers. Uh, Here's the thing with Watka. Shoulder issues, again, have plagued him the last two years. It's limited him. You know, from pitching a full season. Still has gone out and made, you know, around 24 starts, 23 starts. But, you know, not fully healthy making 31, 32 starts. And shoulder issues have plagued him his entire career. So the question is, does Waka get a multi-year deal? I think on a one-year deal, I'd probably prefer Waka to, to Lugo. Um, I think the upside might be just a little bit higher but at the same time, on a multi-year deal, if it ends up being a two-year deal for each of these guys, I think I'm siding with Seth Lugo. question is, would Seth Lugo come back to the Mets? Team that would not give him that opportunity to start, even though that's what he wanted forever, gets to the Padres because of that opportunity to start and makes the most of it. He made 26 starts, 3.57 ERA. He, too, dealt with uh, an injury this past season, but it was a calf injury, nothing to do with his arm. Uh, so was healthy when it comes to the thing that matters most. Pitched 146 in the third innings. Struck out 8.6 batters per nine. A tick down from where he was at coming out of the Mets bullpen. But really solid for a starting pitcher. 140 Ks and 146 in a third is really good. Walks very low, 2.2 per nine. Whip of 1.2. Slightly more uh, than Michael Walker, but not much. Still really solid number for a starting pitcher. He'll turn 34 this month. He declined uh, an option of $7.5 million, a player option. I think he probably gets something close to Jose Quintana's contract last offseason, the two-year $26 million deal. Uh, question is, what does that market ultimately look like, and how much would the Mets have to pay to get him to come and sign on, and how much convincing would they have to do? I mean, this is, again, a guy that – Wanted that opportunity with the Mets, never got it, and went and showed it. Went went to another team with the full season opportunity to, to be in the starting rotation and was absolutely the same guy that he was out of the Mets bullpen for all those years. A 3.57 ERA this past year compared to a 3.60 ERA in his last season with the Mets in their bullpen in 2022. So literally same same you know, run prevention, but over significantly more innings coming out of uh, the rotation. You look at his career earnings too. Here's a guy that, in his Mets career across seven seasons, made a little over nine and a half million. And in one season with San Diego, between a seven and a half million dollar contract plus one point two five million dollars hit in incentives, he made eight point seven five million. So he nearly 
doubled his career earnings in one season. Now he's got a chance to double them again on a multi-year deal. I don't know what he gets. I think he's at least going to get $10 million per season. I could see a team maybe giving him a three-year, $30 million deal. And I think for Lugo, that'd be incredible value. That'd be a, a really good contract for him to sort of, uh, you know, get that, you know, long-term security as a starting pitcher that I'm sure he craves. I could also see a team going up to $15 million on a one-year deal for Seth Lugo, or, you know, maybe it's a, a two-year, $25 million deal. You structure more money on the front end. You give them an opt-out, you know, player option, similar to what the Padres just did, but maybe a little more money on the front end. And that's possibly how the Mets could get in the mix, you know. Maybe you do give him that $15 million or $16 million, which is a lot you would think. But you look at this market and that sort of tier B-minus starter, you know, not quite the... Marcus Stroman, Eduardo Rodriguez, sort of tier below that top tier. But, you know, the one that's a little bit, uh, you know, below that where it's guys that are coming off good seasons who could be a really good number four for you or a solid number three. I look at Seth Lugo and I put him right there with Jose Quintana, honestly, with what they just did this past season. I think under the right circumstance, Seth Lugo coming back would probably make the most sense, maybe anybody we've talked about on the show today, I just don't know if he's open to it. But I think that would be how you do it. Is if you sort of overpay in year one and give him the security like he just had uh, of uh, at least a player option for a second year where he could still opt out, hit the market again, or opt in. And, you know, that's sort of how you structure it. Be like, look, you know, you got one year to be a starting pitcher for us. And maybe uh, you even put a similar contract to what the Padres would be giving out, these Club option with secondary player options. You know, hey, it's a two-year, $30 million deal if we pick up a $15 million club option. And then, you know, there, there's a player option that's significantly less than that. If he picks it up, maybe in year two, he's back in your bullpen. You know, if he struggles out of the rotation, then, hey, maybe he ends up back where he started for the Mets. But uh, I, I like the idea of Seth Lou coming back. I still just don't know how realistic it is. Speaking of reunions, something I touched on in an episode a couple weeks back where I was looking at reunions that President of Baseball Operations David Stearns could have with guys from his Brewers days, Wade Miley is officially a free agent. Miley pitched for the Brewers, and I want to say it was 2018 when they went to the NLCS, um, went to Game 7 of the NLCS, and he just went back to the Brewers this past season, had a good year. 3-1-4 3-1-4 ERA and 23 starts and 120 and a third innings pitched. Ended up having a mutual option that he uh, backed out of so that he could hit the market coming off that solid season. And, and I could see the Mets picking him up um, to plug into their rotation. I think that you know the upside of Wade Miley as far as being a guy that would potentially start a playoff game, I don't love that. I think Waka and Lugo could be better in those scenarios. But Miley is just a good starting pitcher when he's healthy. That's also another risk there. The funny thing is Seth Lugo had to prove he could be a starting pitcher, still has a partially torn UCL, and I think he is the least um, of the health risks between those three pitchers. So we'll see if any of them end up coming to the Mets as that uh, maybe secondary uh, starting pitcher they add in free agency. But I would like any of those signings. I think... Lugo's the one, again, that I like the most on a multi-year deal. 
Um, Waka probably the guy I liked most on a one-year deal, but I'd be comfortable if Wade Miley came over on a one-year deal as well. To close the show, we're going to be looking at bullpen arms that previously pitched for the Mets that are back in the market, as well as some bench bat options. Uh, we'll get to all that in a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. All right, let's run through the remainder of these names here, uh, starting with the bullpen arms. The reunion that I think is probably the most likely, David Robertson coming back. He had a 205 ERA and 44 innings with the Mets this past season. Save 14 games. We never got to see what it would look like for David Robertson to be the setup man for Edwin Diaz as he was supposed to be. I'm hoping that in 2024 we get that chance. He did not pitch well at the Marlins. Had an ERA just over five. Did not like getting traded. Will turn 39 years old in April. The way the Mets get David Robertson to come back, and I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm kidding or serious about this, to be completely honest. I think you give him a no-trade clause. He hated getting traded. You say, hey, we already got a prospect for you. Come on back. I don't even think the salary has to be crazy. I think he liked pitching um, you know, for the Mets. I think he liked the way the organization is run. He enjoyed his time with the Mets. And if you sort of guaranteed him, hey, we're not trading you this year. You get a no-trade clause um, in your contract. The salary might be even more reasonable than you'd expect. You give him that level of comfort that you can come back here and stay for a full season, I think you'd probably get him back, and I think he'd be a really nice piece for your bullpen. Now, the other names, Joely Rodriguez and Aaron Loop, a couple of left-handed relievers who were with the Mets over the last couple of years who are hitting the market again, coming off some down seasons for Joely. A 4.47 ERA with the Mets in 2022. With the Red Sox this past year, a 6.55 ERA did not make it a full year in their bullpen. Only 11 innings pitched. A guy that, you know, minor league contract, I, I think is probably what you're looking at with an invite to uh, spring training. Would not be surprised if that happened at the tail end of the offseason. But just an interesting name to bring up. Aaron Loop. Had an unbelievable 2021 season. You might remember he pitched to a 0.95 ERA out of the Mets bullpen, which just absolutely lights out. Cashed in on a really lucrative deal with the Angels. Didn't pitch well for him. 3.84 ERA in 2022, which wasn't bad, but was certainly not what he put up the year prior. And then this year was a disaster for him. 6.10 ERA. He'll be 36 years old. I don't know if I love the idea of Loop coming back considering what he's done lately, but also you remember how good he was in a Mets uniform. And if it was a you know really low dollar amount major league contract or if it was you know a minor league deal, hey, Aaron Loop coming back in a Mets uniform could be a, a there there are worse options, I guess is what I would say. Still though, I want to once again circle back to the Brewers podcast where I discussed reunions for David Stearns. I called it then. I want to reiterate it now. I think Brent Suter is going to come to the Mets to be the second lefty out of their bullpen. He's not necessarily a left-handed specialist, but that's going to be Brooks Raley's job, I think, as he uh, is coming back on that club option. Suter is a multi-inning reliever who's been great in his career. Um, 3-4-9 ERA. Had a 3-3-8 ERA with the Rockies. Harvard graduate just like Stearns. Something tells me those guys might have been close. 
I just think that one's going to happen. I think he's the left-handed reliever that ultimately comes to the Mets bullpen, not Joely or Aaron Loop. Looking over bench bats, there's names that really need not be mentioned, but they're fun to just uh, mention in passing. Travis Blankenhorn, Billy McKinney, Darren Ruff, Tyler Naquin, Billy Hamilton, they're all free agents. None of them should be on the Mets unless they're minor league deals, and we certainly know Darren Ruff would not sign a minor league deal with the Mets. Gary Sanchez coming off a good season. He's going to get paid, though. Won't be coming back to the Mets. Uh, and that was like a weak cameo that we saw him. Ahmed Rosario somehow is the top shortstop in free agency. But that is more an indictment on the class than it is a compliment to Rosario. It's either him or Tim Anderson. Um, and Anderson was one of the worst players in baseball this past year. But based on name value alone, he'll probably be the guy that gets the best deal out of the shortstops. But, I mean... Who knows how that market's going to eventually materialize. The Mets don't need a shortstop, though. While Rosario could theoretically be a super utility type guy off your bench, he's going to look to find a, a spot where he can have a chance to be a starting shortstop, and it's not with the Mets. Eduardo Escobar, worth mentioning. Would not be surprised if uh, there's a reunion here on a minor league deal, though. I don't think the Mets are going to give him a major league contract, but if there isn't a major league contract out there, for Eduardo Escobar, you maybe give him a little more money when it comes to a potential roster bonus for whenever he does break your roster. And I think that you know he would be a great guy to have in Syracuse if he's willing to do that. Um, and you'd see him at some point in the season. It would be a lot of fun to get Eduardo Escobar back in a Mets uniform at some point. I just don't think that you could say, hey, here's a major league contract and a guaranteed spot in the roster with what he did this past season because it does look like he might be a little bit over the hill. Now, the final three names here are just fourth outfielder types, guys that could play left, center, and right, um, come off your bench. I don't know if any of them would come back to the Mets. The two that aren't really too intriguing to me, but again, you know, worth a mention, Jake Marisnik, he's really bounced around ever since getting traded to the Mets from the Astros before that 2020 season. Just hasn't been a good player, though, honestly, since then. So, a good athlete. Don't know how much he has left in his tank now. He's well into his 30s and you know, probably not a good fit, quite honestly. Same thing goes with Kevin Pillar, who becomes a free agent again. He had a good year with the Mets in 2021 where he hit 15 home runs, had nine home runs for the Braves this past year and got a lot of playing time, but... Still was not a good hitter. Barely walked at all. Um, still not you know, the defensive player he once was. He's solid in a corner, whether left or right, but not really a center fielder anymore. I don't think he's coming back to the Mets. The guy that played really well and really improved his stock that I'd love to see back in a Mets uniform, again, I don't think it's likely, is Travis Jankowski. And I don't think it's likely because the Rangers should just bring him back. He was a key cog in that championship team. He stole 19 bases, was the perfect bench complement to the starters that they had. He hit 263 in the regular season, got on base with a 357 clip. Didn't slug much, but you don't need him to. You look at his walk and strikeout rates, just exactly what you want from a fourth outfielder. He walked 12.2% of the time. He only struck out 14.6% of the time. He's not hurting you with the at-bats that he has. He's giving you a really quality look. He's getting on base. and He's able to score runs. When your other guys drive him in, and that's exactly what you want from a fourth outfielder. I really liked him when he was on the Mets um, in 2022. I believe that was the 2022 Mets. I think so. And, and you know, he just sort of, sort of showed it again 
uh, this past year. He's just a, a really good bench player. I think he should get a major league contract. Um, again, I imagine it might be with the Rangers, or who knows, maybe there's a team out there that sees what he did and thinks, ah, maybe we'll overpay him or maybe we'll give him a starting spot. Maybe at this stage of his career he still wants that opportunity to go and you know, go to like a Pirates or a Nationals or something and get some more run. But if he wants to just continue to thrive in a role, it's probably with a team like the Rangers. But if the Mets give him a decent contract and they want him as their fourth outfielder, I think they could do a lot worse uh, in that role. And I think two guys that would be a lot worse are the ones I just mentioned in Pilar and Marisnik or even Tyler Naquin or Billy Hamilton. So Now just to recap, going over this list of reunion opportunities, I think Justin Turner, best possible player to plug into the starting lineup at DH and third base, even though I still have that horrible feeling in my gut that uh, if they did sign him, the magical run of Justin Turner would end. Uh, but that doesn't mean you stay away from him because of that. Everything he's shown us in the field is that he'd be a nice plug-and-play guy. Uh, then when it comes to the starting pitchers, I love the idea of Seth Lugo coming back. I just don't know if he'd be open to that possibility. And so if not him, Michael Walker coming back from the 2020 Mets after two really nice seasons with Boston and San Diego on a one-year deal is something that I think could be um, a nice little fit, maybe overpay a little bit to get that one to happen um, on the one-year deal instead of the multi-year contract with a guy that has a lot of shoulder concerns. Uh, you look at the bullpen, David Robertson is the clearest fit there in my eyes. And then for the bench, Travis Jankowski, as I just alluded to, would be a nice fourth outfielder. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's show. Uh, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Hit subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. You can follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You can uh, follow the show at Locked On Mets. And if you want to become a Locked On Mets insider, find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets.